the scriptures today are pretty brief. Um, one of them is a verse that's in two psalms. You can take your choice, Psalm 98 or Psalm 100. Slight variation, but I'm using the text of Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing. And the other text is one that Amy referred to last week from Paul's letter to the church of Galatia. Live by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy and happiness. Are they the same? That's my question for you this morning. Joy and happiness. Uh, do you make any distinction? I do, but if, if you do, share it. Joy and happiness. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to turn that on its head, but that's all right. Anybody else? What? Joy is an event. Yes. Occurrence. Right. Whereas happiness is a condition. And I'm said I'm going to. That's wonderful, and I'm going to flip it on its head, <laughs> uh, and that's fine. Uh, yes. Joy is something arising from uh, from inside myself, from life itself, um, and that happiness comes sometimes when there's happy events around me. Okay, that's the direction I'm going, but I, both of them could be correct. Um, but I think we need to, to see that we have sometimes clumsiness in our language, especially when we're talking to each other, because we can mean different things with the same words. In fact, I think that happens a lot uh, in the life around us. Um, but I want to explore that today. Um, Sylvia called and asked me what I was going to preach about as she planned her music. What beautiful music. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and she didn't know it, but I took a deep breath when she asked that question because I needed in that moment to select between two themes for Sunday. And so I let out my breath and I said, joy. So here we are, a sermon on joy. It was prompted by Amy's marvelous and very, very fun sermon on fun last week. I shall be preaching, however, without a dog. <laughs> I don't have a dog. And if I brought my cat, I can tell you what would happen instantly. The windows are open. She would head for the hills. <laughs> and she's an indoor cat, so that wouldn't work. So I put my sermon on here I am, aside for another day, and settled on joy. 
And then I turned to my denomination's hymnal to see what sort of choices Sylvia might have for hymns. I went to the theme index and turned to the J's, and my finger ran down the columns. I got to Jesus, and that went on and on and on. And then I went to the next word. It jumped from Jesus to judgment with no joy in between. <laughs> Nary a nod to joy. And that may be a sermon in and of itself. Too often, people think the church preaches a Jesus of judgment. A Jesus scary and dour. A Jesus who certainly has nothing to do with joy. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a big lie. A very big lie. The Bible uses the words joy and rejoice, its verb, 200 times or more. 16 times in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi alone. Joy is biblical. Jesus' first miracle? He turned water into wine at a wedding party. The pious folk accused him of being a drunken and a glutton. He spoke often of feasts and feasting. And he was not beyond calling for celebration. In Jesus' most loved and most graphic parable about the nature of God, he jumps over the judgment most people would have meted out to the prodigal son and lands on joy. He jumps over judgment and he lands on joy complete with a fatted calf. Jesus puts it this way in the parable. The elder son approaches the house and, quote, he heard music and dancing. Music and dancing. And the father gives this instruction to the servants. Get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. In this parable, we see that God's practice toward humankind is steadfast love and mercy. God's mood is joy. So let's not jump joy and preach the bad news that God is judgmental and angry. Let's not do that because that is a big lie. A big lie. And I'm going to get literal about this jump for joy in a moment. But aside first, I have to have an aside. My aside is simple. I miss singing. I miss singing. One of my greatest joys each week is gathering together with you and making a joyful noise. God doesn't ask that we're all gifted with Jen's voice, though thank goodness she has that gift. The psalmist only asks this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a loud noise, rejoice, and sing. 
Now back to jumping with joy by way of another aside. This sermon has a lot of asides. In this aside, I remind you that before the slave trade was abolished in 1808, a steady stream of Africans was brought into this country, 200 years worth. They came from different parts of Africa, spoke different languages, and had different religions. Some were animists, some were Muslims. Few, if any, were Jews or Christians. And here they struggled to keep their souls alive as well as their bodies. And to do this, they had to strip religion and religious services down to the bare bones. As a ground base, and I need that word base in both terms, as a ground base to religious practice, they worshiped without words by means of clap, stomp, and dance. Clap, stop, and dance. No common language required. No common creed required. Just circle up, rejoice, stomp, clap, dance. You see where this is going? Want to make a joyful noise? Huh? We can do it. Masks on? Yeah, they're in place. But join me. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Faster. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. Whew, we can get out and begin the dance. Can you see how black church music has still continued that tradition? It goes way back because the fundament to all rituals, regardless of what the religious base was in Africa, was percussion. It was clap, stomp. Clap, stomp. We can make a joyful noise. Mass or no mass, okay? Maybe we should just do this for the next 15 or 20 minutes. And by the way, when Amy was talking about churches and fun, there are Anglican congregations in Canada that are called laughter congregations. And they actually have as part of their ritual time just laughing. They just laugh. Clap. Stomp. Dance. Laugh. We can't sing today, but we can make a joyful noise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Does it feel good to get physical before God? I think that's something that we have to think about. Getting physical before God. And I wonder how dance got dropped from worship practice. I mean, David was out there in his ephod, and best I understand what an ephod is, that ain't much. It's got slit sides and one strap, and they didn't wear underwear. And so you can imagine why it was his wife was not happy with him dancing out in the street in his ephod. But there he was, leading the ark back into the temple in his ephod, dancing to the Lord. I sometimes wonder how dance got dropped. Uh, but it got dropped a long, long time ago. 
It probably got dropped the way wine got turned into grape juice. Cultural preference, certainly not biblical directive. Whatever the reason, there's really no biblical theology behind why we gather and sit and sit and sit in a tradition from which we reformed and protested. At least they got up and stood and kneeled and kneeled and stood. But once Calvin got a hold of everything and sermons got to be four hours long, people were to sit and sit and sit. And as I know Craig knows, in those days among the Puritans, church went all day. You came in the morning and you got two hours of hell and damnation. And if you wanted to have any mercy, you needed to come back in the afternoon. But there's no biblical theology behind why we gather to sit and sit and sit. But we preachers do have a reason. Sermons are not just amusements, at least not in their entirety. At some point, they must get into theological weeds and become a bit nerdy and a bit boring. And so we want you to sit and sit and sit, but not for four hours. And we've reached that point today. Just what is joy? First, joy and happiness are not synonyms, not according to scripture, not even according to modern psychology. Joy is a noun <coughs> that designates a state of being. That's what the dictionary says. It's a noun that designates a state of being. Happiness designates a psychological state, a feeling, something that is stimulated from the outside. Joy is a noun that designates a state of being, something that is inherently in us. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church at Galatia. In the fifth chapter, he writes, live by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know that's one of Craig's favorite passages and one of mine as well. I think sort of the whole of the gospel is wrapped up in those words. Amy was really right about the importance of them last week. In the beginning, God's breath gave humanity its true life, its core being. That breath, the spirit, as Paul calls it, is our true self. The spirit that is breathed into us is the ground of our very being. According to Paul, the core of our being is love, joy, and peace. The love and the joy and the peace that are the core of our being 
generate out from us the virtues of patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's life in the spirit. That's God's gift to all of us with the very breath that gives us life. That's there in the beginning. These kids still have it. It's still pretty powerful in them. Kids can be pretty, they can be nasty, but they're really pretty kind, aren't they? <laughs> they're pretty gentle. Well, they're rowdy, but they're pretty gentle in spirit. That's because they still have deep in them, still contact with love, joy, and peace. And then the world has its way, and it works to decenter us, to move us away from that center that is love and joy and peace. It works hard at that to decenter us, to make us doubt the very core of our existence. It works to make us cynical, anxious, and slow to risk great leaps of love. But for all of its efforts, the world can't change our core, but it can create a near impenetrable maze separating our daily lives from our deepest self. That's a big problem. Separating our daily lives from our deepest self. We can get lost or become exhausted as we walk that maze. And we can begin to doubt our core. Uh, I've heard, and recently, I recently heard someone, a political someone, advise against following Jesus. That was naive. That Jesus was silly. That you can't live that way. And I've heard many people say when they've looked at the Beatitudes and what Jesus recommends as a way of life. You can't turn the other cheek. That's folly. If you turn the other cheek, it gets slapped too. There's a powerful push in the world to tell us that you can't really find peace. Just get used to the chaos. You can't really have joy. So go for a lot of happiness. Find some thrills. You can't really love. Nobody's honest about it. Everybody's in those relationships for themselves. Because after all, isn't that what it's all about? I'm a football fan. I'll be watching this afternoon and this evening, and there'll be all these people going, number one, number one, number one. No, it's not about number one. But we've been taught you can't really, really trust people to really care about you. That care is there because they're getting something back. The world wants to move us away from that core that, that we're breathed into by God. It's there. Love, joy, peace. We don't want to trade it for the substitute of happiness, which I would say is a surface emotion, and it's addictive. 
and it's fleeting. We don't uh, want to substitute that for joy. The state of living in the delight with the Spirit. Joy is living in delight with the Spirit. Resting there in God. And boy, that is glory and joy and peace. And from it, love just goes everywhere. These things are the core of our being. They are the gift that gives life. We do not have to chase after them. Indeed, love, peace, and joy are with us even in the darkest hours and times. The prophet Habakkuk had this to say, particularly about joy. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God. Paul put it another way. Nothing can separate us. Nothing from the love of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, his list includes death. Nothing can separate us. So, where does that leave us? Well, I think we only have to slow down, look around, and acknowledge these gifts and open them up fully into our lives. I suggest the ways to open ourselves to joy are many. Take moments plural, not singular. Take moments several times each day just to know that you are breathing. How many days in your life do you think you have not even been aware that you breathed all day? Isn't that silly? You didn't know you were breathing. Thank goodness you were. But if we take time to honor that breath, that ruah, that spirit that God breathed into us in the beginning and breathed into us every day. If we just stop and go, oh, God, I'm breathing you in today. That was a good gulp of joy. It's a good gulp of peace. That's a good gulp of love. And I exhale it all out to those around me. Several times a day. Just stop. See how many times you go. I do try to do that a lot. And most of the great world religions tell us to stop and know you're breathing. <laughs> it's one of the things they have in common. Stop and know you're breathing. Take time to really do it. It doesn't take but, what, a second to go. <sighs> and to do it consciously. And give thanks for the spirit you just breathed in and breathed out. That's the big thing I'd have you do. But there's a lot else you can do to make sure you open the package of joy each day. Sing. Off key. In the shower. Get a song stuck in your head. The only way to get rid of it is to sing out loud. And sometimes it'll go away. 
sense. Even if you have two left feet. Dance. Prance around a little. I have a good friend who says that she likes to strip herself down pretty much and dance through the living room once a day. <laughs> and she's an anchorite. You gotta watch those anchorites. Lend a helping hand. Hug the ones who love you. Listen to a bird sing. Take a slow walk down a mountain path. Be still, very still, and know that God is joy. Amen.